Thanks for tuning in to the New Life South Coast podcast. We want to extend an invitation to sit in live with us during our weekend service. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope that this message inspires you, but also challenges you in your walk with God. For more information, visit our website at newlifesouthcoast.com. Hey, good morning. Uh, I'm excited for God, uh, what God is doing here this morning in, in, in our midst. And uh, do me a favor. Look at, look, go to the person, look at the person next to you and say, impossible things, in Jesus' name, they shall be done. Now look at the next person and say, do you believe that? All right, you may be seated. Pastor, I have a question. This is a, a deep theological question for you, since we're talking about food in heaven. Are they going to have seaweed salad? Not a chance. No, not a chance. I didn't think so. Good. Sign me up. Uh, so my name is Wiley, and this is an awesome privilege that I get to be up here. Hey, Amen. No, thank you for the love, because I'm going to need it. Because... Um, you know, it's different when, when, you know, when the pastors got the front row looking at you, so I'm not even going to look right here. I, I'm, look, I'm in the back with a balcony this morning, all right? Um, he's got a clipboard out. He's got a red pen. He's like, like it's judgment day for me. So, so y'all, y'all help me out. Um, but listen, you know, it's funny. We're talking about... Uh, we, we just came off a great series, uh, My Mind's Playing Tricks on Me, yeah. right? And if, if it's okay, I want to piggyback off of that a little bit this morning. You know, we're talking about evaluation and pulling out the red pen. You know, in education, it's funny, not long ago, um, you know, the, this education shifted a little bit, and, and they were like, you know what? Let's, um, when you're correcting papers, um, let's not maybe mark everybody's uh, tests and problems with the red pen. Um, because, you know, that, that red X that says they got it wrong, it kind of sends a negative message. And it kind of like demoralizes and kills their self-esteem. You know, let's not put that they failed on a report card. Let's just say they need improvement. Right? <laughs> they didn't quite meet the competencies. Um, and, and let's not use red. Red is so aggressive. Red is negative. Red is blood. Right? How about we do turquoise? Let's do... A, so when you grade your test... Get your little turquoise pen and mark X's. And it's all right if Johnny still doesn't know that two halves equal a whole. <laughs> At least we're not going to demoralize him, right? So I want to talk about failure this morning. Can we talk about failure? All right. I want to get into this, and, and we're going to talk about divorcing the fear of failure. Okay? You just said it. Impossible things, not little things, not everyday ordinary things. You just said it. You sang it this morning. Impossible things can be done in Jesus' name, okay? So we got to divorce the fear of failure and say, okay, what do we got, right? Let's keep going. So I think we got to change our mentality. We got to go from a what-if mentality to an even-if mentality, okay? What if I do this and, and nobody really likes it? 
What, what if I do this and they see me doing it? What, what if I do it and, and they look at me differently now? What if I do this and I get all the way to the end and I, I don't get the results I thought I was going to get? What if I do this and I get this judgment? What if I do this and I fail? Right? What about an even if mentality? Right? Even if they look at me funny. Right? Even if I make a couple of mistakes because I don't really know exactly how it's going to go down. Right? Even if I get to the end and the results weren't quite the way I planned them to be. Right? Even if. Let me go and try it. Let me do it. Right? So, I want to look at uh, an example from the Bible uh, from Gideon. Okay? Uh, if you have your Bibles, you can go to Judges chapter 6. Um, and what I'm going to do is to help set up the story a little bit, uh, we're going to watch some cartoons. Anybody like cartoons? Yeah. Cartoon Sunday, y'all. All right? So, this is going to help us set up what was going, around, what was going on around that time frame. Um, and also a little bit of who Gideon was, so we can play that clip. It was in this dungeon of fear that God shows up to Gideon. Okay, so let's go to Judges chapter 6, verse 11. Starting in verse 11, it says, The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Oprah. Oprah's everywhere. <laughs> so he, he, and the, that belonged to Joash the Abizrite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Pause for a second there. Y'all see that cartoon? Did that look like a mighty warrior to anybody? I love what they said. They said he was influenced by a culture of cowardness. All right? We won't get into that in a minute because be careful with your environment and the culture around you. Um, Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, but if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? 
Where are all of his wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us the hand of Midian. We can't equate miracles with God's presence. Okay? I see this as, it's like if our kids only loved us and only looked at our relationship when we're giving them gifts. Right? Birthdays and Christmas, oh, they love us. How about every other day? Right? We can't equate God's presence with God's miracles or, or his wonders. The Lord turned and said to him, go in the strength you have. You have. Okay? Go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hands and my not sending you. Here comes the fear of failure. Here's your fear of failure. Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, but how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. I'm nobody. Right? And the Lord said, I know. I know who you are, Gideon. I will be with you, and you will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. Amen. See, in verse 16, what God is saying is like, listen, Gideon, I know you're the least, right? I know you look at yourself in the mirror and you're like, I'm, I'm just going to hide in, in my wine press and just try to stay alive. But God's like, no, no, listen, but here's the thing. When I have a calling for you, the battle's rigged, right? It's like professional boxing. It's rigged, right? You don't have to worry about it. So God is setting everything up. He's like, he's like Chris Paul throwing you a perfect lob, but you got to go up and finish it. He's like, Gideon, I got this. I'm going to set this all up for you, but you got to go up, go up and finish Right? And it's like Pastor's Instagram uh, video. It's only an eight foot hoop. So go up and finish. <laughs> I'm done. That's it. One, one joke. That's it. Security? No. Um, so you got to, there's a step of faith here. Okay? You will never arrive at your destination if you don't depart from your situation. Okay? Where were they? Did you see that video, what they were going through? The Midianites were just waiting for the harvest to come so they can go, all right, you do all the work so I can come reap the benefits. That's their situation. Okay? That's Gideon's situation. What's Gideon's situation? He's hiding, right? He's hiding. He's got nothing going on for him. So a lot of people, this is where people were like, but, but I'm not a risk taker. I, I'm, not, I'm not a go kind of person. I'm a stay kind of person. You know, I'm happy. My, I'm, I'm comfortable on my couch. You know, I'm comfortable. And for some people, life is good, and it's made you even more comfortable. Let's be real, right? Some people, life is is. is looks good around you when you look around, so now you're really more comfortable, okay? Here's the thing. God doesn't have limits. We have limits. Are we putting our limits on God, and then we come to church every day saying, God, use me, right? If you are in total control of your life, if your life is controllable, you're not living by faith. So what's your faith? Just eternity? 
If you're not in full control, you're not living by faith. Okay? Hebrews 11.6, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Man, God loves it when we step out in faith. That's why he throws the alley-oops for it. That's why he's throwing love. He's like, come on, I want to see you get up and finish this one. All right? Um, let, me, let me finish chapter 6 real quick for you. Let me just kind of go through it, what happens next. So God, uh, so the angel calls Gideon, Gideon, go, you're going to save your people. And Gideon's like, oh, Lord, give me a sign. He, you know, I wish I had a DMX voice for that one. Um, and, and then God gives him a sign. And Gideon's like, oh, all right, all right, all right, this is real. And then God says, well, do me a favor. Before we go anywhere, y'all got some altars built to some false gods, and it's aggravating me. So do me a favor. Built, me a, built a real altar to the real God, right? Put that in its place and go take that thing down. Go destroy it. Right? So Gideon is like, oh, man, but what, what if people see me? So here's what happened at, at, at nighttime. Right? Gideon gathered 10 men, and he went and did. He obeyed God, but he did it at night. All right? See, this is a whole other message right here because some of us are only obedient when nobody's looking. Right? We don't, we're, but who? So he did that, and meanwhile, all the, all the Midianites and the Amorites and all the ites got together and said, hey, they're about to reap, so let's get together and let's plan, let's get the game plan so we can go in there uh, and get fed off their work, right? So then the Spirit of God falls on Gideon and says, blow the horn, let's gather the troops, let's go, it's battle time, it's battle time, right? So Gideon did it, he blows the horns, and other people come in and say, God, I'm scared. God, give me another sign. So he asked God for another sign. God gives him a sign. This is hilarious. He goes, God, can you give me another sign? Can you do the opposite of what I just asked you? It's, God's like, all right, Gideon. He does another sign. Okay? Now Gideon's like, all right, I guess I'm ready. I guess I'm ready. So let's go to chapter 7. Okay? So now we're in chapter 7. The Lord says to Gideon, you have too many men. See, I don't know if you caught in, in the video, it says that they came in, the, the Midianites came in like swarms of locusts, right? Yeah, I have too many men, God. Uh, I cannot deliver Midian into their hands or Israel will boast against me my, and, and say my own strength has saved me, okay? God wants to make it clear, no, 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 if you're going to win this battle, you're going to understand it's because of me, right? So now announce to the army, anyone that trembles with fear may turn back and leave Mount Gilead. So 22,000 men left, and 10,000 remained. This is for little Johnny, so we've got to make, make the math simple for him. Two-thirds chose fear. Okay? 22,000 went, 10,000 stayed. Mathematically, it's really like 69 point something percent, but um, two-thirds didn't even get anywhere yet. They were like, wait a minute. I have a choice. I'm out. Okay? Understand this. This cut was made by choice. God said, I want you choose. Okay? You choose. So two-thirds said, no, 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 no. I'm scared. I'm going to go back to my land, get ready for my harvest so someone can come and steal it from me. What choice is that? All right? But why did they choose it? Because they were afraid. God says, anyone that's afraid, you can go ahead and turn around. I'll give you the end of the story. Um, and you got to go back and read it in, in Judges 6, 7, around that area. Um, but what happens is, from there, God actually makes another cut. But that second cut was strategic. He didn't give the people a choice. So at the end of the battle, Gideon goes with only 300 men. And he has this insane war where they don't even fight. The Midianites end up killing each other. All right? 
and Gideon and his army wins. That's the story. Um, but I want to focus on this fear of failure. Okay? See, success sometimes will speak loudly, but it only lasts a moment. In, in the Bible, in the Old Testament, man, we see this over and over again. God delivers. God sets them free. God, you know, gives them the promise. And then, like, a little bit later, a few years later, they're going back to false gods. They're going back and turning their backs on God. You know, and, and there's this cycle, this vicious cycle that keeps happening. You know, I think sometimes failure, the pain of failure speaks louder than the joy of success. You don't have to raise your hand, but I know there's some people in the, in, in the church this morning that have experienced some pain from failure, right? The pain of failure sticks with you. It stings, right? It, just, it doesn't just go away. Um, I got a quick failure story for you. About eight or nine years ago, uh, I, I really got this, this idea of uh, I was working with youth, and I was a t- actually, I was a teacher here. Um, I was working with youth, and I said, I want to do a back-to-school event. I want to get all the local youth groups. I'm going to reach out to all the churches, and we're going to do a big event. We call it Back to School Bash. Um, and we're going to get all of these teenagers pumped up right before the school year starts so they can go into the school year ready for God, preaching the gospel, and helping their, their friends come to church, being great to their teachers, especially my students, all of that. And the event was horrible. Horrible. Okay, I met so I saw someone recently that was at that event, and we just laughed because it brought back like, oh, that it was that bad, huh? Like, <laughs> there was one of the things I, I, I'm not gonna get into all the detail, but one of the things there was this there was this woman who was she she was older than my mother. This is a youth event. It was older than my mother. And she was like dressed in a nice, you know, the big flowy dresses and stuff, and she was doing the interpretive dancing to a playback. Y'all remember the days of playback, right? <laughs> And I'm sitting there looking, and I'm like, this is a youth event, right? <laughs> Just checking. This is, I, I we should have went over audition tapes, but. Um, so let me tell you something. I went through a phase. I definitely went through a little phase there where I, I was blaming churches. I was blaming people around me. I was blaming leadership. I was, I was pointing the fingers, right? And then once I processed it, I went through an evaluation process of, all right, what happened? What happened? So I'm going to share this, and I'm going to go quick with this, because these are some of my points. These are just my points, okay, that I learned from this. I learned about prayer. Mediocre prayer equals average results. See, I was praying for an event. But God's like, no, no, no. You're trying to reach a dark place where the devil's got his hands on our youth, and you're just going to pray for an event? This is a spiritual warfare. This ain't no cute event, Right? I didn't know how to pray. I wasn't praying in the right perspective. Team. People with good intentions will only take you so far. You can't have all that. The lady with the interpreter, she had all the good intentions. <laughs> but they will only take you so far. Um, I, I stole this from T.D. Jakes. He, he, he has a book that has some really good stuff on it. But he talks about supporters. One of the things he says about supporters is supporters are people in your corner. They understand there's a cost. They understand there's a cost. There's some sacrifice involved, and they're willing to endure it. Okay? Listen, 
if you think about Pastor Marco and his life and what he is doing in New Bedford and New Life South Coast, you don't think there's a cost? Trust me, there's a cost. You know, and he's got people around him that support understanding there is a cost there. And then you got the advisors or the mentors, right, that are people that have been there, that have more wisdom that, that you can tap into. And these are the people that can speak into your life, even the things you don't want to hear. Because you got to have those people, right? Next thing is location or your environment. We did our event at Cape Cod Community College, okay? We had a bunch of churches from the Cape. I thought we were going to have a bunch of churches from the Cape. So we thought of a neutral event, and one of the reasons we actually chose it because it was going to be cost-effective, right? There was a connection there. The location wasn't ideal, and that was part of the failure for the event, okay? Uh, but your location and your environment, the Wright brothers, when they were trying to create the airplane, they went from inland Ohio to these deserted islands in North Carolina, why? Because it was windy there. They're like, no, no, no. If this bird is going to fly, I need some wind. I need the right resources around me to set me up for success, not to set me up for failure. Right? And then the last one that I learned, and, and it's comparison. Here's another one, and this is the last T.D. Jakes I'm going to steal from. Uh, trying to soar like eagles is exhausting when all you got is a handful of feathers. Trying to soar like eagles is exhausting when you, all you got is a handful of feathers. Listen, I'm not up here trying to be Pastor Marco. The minute I come up here and I say, oh, I'm a preacher, like I'm failing. Right? So I'm up here saying, God, by your grace, let me say something right. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> so we're going to fail. So I failed. And the thing is, we got to learn to fail victoriously. we got to learn to fail victoriously. Um, I learned from that event that God never promises that we will never fail. The only times the words never fail are in the Bible is when it relates to God, His love, or His word. He doesn't say that about us. right? What it does say all over the place in the Bible is fear not. Right? So fear not. Failure might happen. Fear not. Okay? Um, we got to look, we got to learn to look at failure as a comma and not a period. Okay? Learn to look at failure as a comma and not a period. I got some people here just to give you a quick example, right? Walt Disney. His first company he started was called Laughagram. And they all laughed at him, and he went bankrupt after two years, right? Bouncing back from bankruptcy on your dream, like he thought he made it, he started a company, hey, I'm it, two years gone, right? Not long after that, he drew up this little character called Mickey Mouse, and the rest is history. MJ, anyone that's an athlete uh, that's been involved in sports know MJ's story. He got cut from his high school basketball team, all right? Greatest ever. In the Bible, we have Moses. Moses was a murderer who was fleeing from the police, right? <laughs> While he was fleeing, God called him. Peter denied Jesus three times in public. 
I don't know him. I don't associate with him. But later on, Peter was called the rock of his church. Okay? Calvin. Y'all know Calvin? Like Calvin Johnson, Klein, Calvin De Silva. We got to appreciate the little commas, right? The little failures that turn into success. It's not all about MJ. It's not all about Peter. How about the little commas in life? Calvin's my six-year-old. Last year, last time I brought him to basketball camp, and there was high school kids, middle school kids, and older elementary kids, and he came to spend the day with me, and he was loving it. So we're doing sprints. Now, Calvin is built like his dad. We don't necessarily look like Usain Bolt. We kind of look more like a tugboat. So, so my man in his little legs, right, he's sprinting. And like his dad, he's competitive, so he doesn't want to be last, right? So he's sprinting. He's the youngest one there, but he, he wants it. So he's sprinting, touches the line, comes back. He starts going, then he starts swimming, okay? You ever sprint so fast you swim? Anybody know what I'm talking about? That's when you do this, right? Next thing you know, it becomes into this, Right? So he's swimming, right? And he swims right into the ground. Swims right into the ground. Now I got my whistle in my mouth, and I'm like, oh, man. See, if, if moms were there, they would have ran over. Oh, Calvin. Right? I don't know if my wife would have done that. I don't think so. But so Calvin, to me, had three choices. Now listen, this is what I'm talking about. Learn from my little lessons. Calvin had three choices. One... He could cry and give up. And as a dad, you know I didn't want that. Boy, don't cry right now. <laughs> Man up. How many of us, though, any little fall in life, you're under your blankets, right? Your fetal position in your bed, life is over, you're crying and you're giving up. That's an option, right? Here's the option, too. He could have done what every NBA player would have done, and he could have faked an injury. <laughs> he could, uh, you know, he could have done that. Okay, same thing though. How many times, as soon as we fall something, we're quick to say, "Wait a minute, what's there's an excuse for it." There's, let me let me not own this that I just fell. But let me come up with excuses right now so I don't look bad in front of people. Come on, y'all. So I don't look bad in front of people. But here's what little six-year-old Calvin did, right? And this is when you, you got that proud daddy moment, right? He didn't look to the right or left. He knew by then he was last, right? He got up, started sprinting, finished the race. Amen. Listen, the Bible tells us at the end, when we get to heaven, God is going to look at us. And our goal is that he will look at us and say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Okay? In other words, God just wants to know, are you going to finish this race? Right? I don't care how fast you were during sprints. Right? You're going to fall once in a while. Are you going to get up and finish this race? So, I want to give you just a couple of practical uh, steps to overcome 
the fear of failure. And we're going to overcome it with this acronym, FEAR. Okay? And the letter F is FUEL. FUEL. Whenever you go on any mission, on any journey, first thing you got to do is fuel up. Fuel is your why. Right? What's the purpose behind it all? Don't just go on any mission without a destination, without a purpose. Right? You're not going to end well. It's not going to end well. What's the purpose behind it all? What's the fuel? What's going to drive you to overcome any boundaries and any uh, uh, obstacles that are coming away? Uh, in Exodus, when God calls Moses, he says, I will send you to Pharaoh so that you may bring my people, the sons of Israel, out of Egypt into a land flowing with milk and honey. Okay? So here's this purpose. God says, here's your why. You're going to go through some stuff. You're going to, this is going to be tough for you. Here's your why. Through you, I'm going to bring a whole nation from slavery to a land of abundance. That's a purpose. That's a purpose. If you can actually receive that and believe that, you'll overcome some failures. You'll overcome some hardships on the way there, right? And every once in a while, you've got to go back and remind yourself, like, you've got to refuel, right? Just like you take pit stops on your journey, you've got to refuel and say, all right, what's my why again? Let me not get overwhelmed. What's my why again? Why am I doing this? Okay? The E, envision. I'm big on this. Before I got up here, in my own quiet time, I had to envision myself doing this. I'm a visual person. I had to envision myself doing this. And y'all look better in person, by the way. All right? Um, Pastor Marco just did it earlier when we were doing communion. He said, take a quiet time and envision yourself with Jesus right now when you're taking communion. And I don't know about you, but it was hard. Like, your, your mind doesn't want to stop and pause and say, okay, what does this look like for me? Okay, so this is harder than it, than it sounds to envision it, right? Look at this example in, Peter, in Matthew when Peter was in a boat with the disciples, right? Um, actually, it's covered throughout the chapter, so I didn't put the specific. But he's in a boat with the disciples, and he sees Jesus walking on water. Y'all heard the story. What does Peter do? He steps out of the boat, and for a second, he walks on water. He's standing on water. Let me ask you this question. If Jesus was in the boat, and he said, hey, Peter, I can make you walk on water. Go ahead. Do you think Peter would have done it if he didn't physically see with his eyes that Jesus was doing it? If he didn't look over there and say, wow, you're really standing on water right now. If Jesus was in the boat on solid ground and say, hey, Peter, go ahead. Would he have done it if his eyes didn't see it? No. Visualize it. Don't visualize all the what ifs. Don't visualize all the negative things that could go wrong. That's what you're going to feed yourself. The A is accountability. 2 Corinthians 6.14, do not become partners with those who do not believe. Right? I think that's, that's a common sense verse, but we'll throw it out there. Right? It, it, it's, you've got to have the right people around you. The, the beauty of accountability is this. Once you share with someone, right, it, 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 there's more weight if you fail. Right? There's more pressure there if you fail because now it's not an internal failure what people think of you. Remember we just talked like, oh, so-and-so said he was going to, they said they were going to be able to do all, what happened? 
they failed. So accountability, being able to share, and then going back to what I said earlier, having the right team, having the right supporters, having some advisors and mentors that you can call on. The R is we need to rely on God. All right? And the R, obviously, is the number one here. Just like with Gideon, the Lord answers, I will be with you, and you will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none of them alive. Okay? Whatever your journey is, whatever your mission is, again, think about this. It may be the little things. It may be the little things. For some people, it's just buckling down to a healthy relationship. Right? And, and for some people, you know, maybe it's a career move. Again, you'll never reach your destination if you don't leave your situation. Right? you got to fully rely on God. You have limits. I have limits. But we just saying that impossible things can be done in Jesus' name. Right? So if we learn to overcome this fear of failure with fear, we can summarize them again. Uh, continue to fuel yourself. Always go back to your why. Envision what that victory looks like. Accountability. You know what? Share that vision. Share that vision. Keep yourself real accountable by having the right people in your corner. All right? And then obviously, always rely on God. Always rely on God. The pressure's off when you can fully rely on God. Here's what I actually want to end with today. So earlier I talked to you about the two-thirds. There was two-thirds of the people at the first gathering of the troops. That two-thirds of the people that went away because they were afraid. I think we got some of the rest, though, remaining in new life, right? Because here's what happened. When the two-thirds left, there was one-third. Listen, new life. There was one-third that said, no, no, no. I'm in this. See, there was one third that said, I'm not going to look at my neighbor and I'm not going to base my decision and my path and my accomplishments based on the people that just turned their backs on a mission because right now it, it got too tough for them. That's the one third. See, the one third are the people that can say, no, but I remember when God took me out of slavery. I remember when God took me out of addiction. I remember when I was depressed. And the one-third remembers that my circumstances might look a little different, but my God hasn't changed, right? The one-third are the people that look at the leader, at Gideon, or the prophet of the house, and they said, no, 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 if God has spoken to you, and if God has told you there's a miraculous victory that's going to take us out of this nasty situation, then I'm with you. I don't, you don't have to give me the details of what the battle looks like. Listen. The one-third is not going to look at all the what-ifs. The one-third has an even-if mentality. Okay? The one-third says, no, we've gone this far. Why am I going to turn back? There was nothing where I came from. So the one-third says, 
The one third says, even if it doesn't quite go the way I plan, if I fully rely on you, then your will will be done. And that's what the one third relies on. And listen, the one third, and the one third gives all glory to God. There's this awesome story, the, the, a coach from Auburn. Auburn was one of the teams that just made a great run in March Madness. And um, they were doing so great. They beat my Tar Heels. It's all right. Um, and, and they interviewed him before the game. And he says, what are you going to do today, coach? And he says, well, we're going to distribute the ball. We're going to look for good shots. We're going to match it and test it on defense, blah, blah, blah. And at the end, we're going to give all glory to God. All right? But here's what happened. Then they lost the next game. Then they interviewed him after the game when his spirit is shattered, right? Everybody is riding on him. They made it to the final four. Auburn's going to pull it off. They interviewed him after the game, and they said, Coach, the refs made some mistakes. Those are circumstances, by the way. The refs made some mistakes. That was questionable. Is that why you lost? Did the players not do it? Is that why you lost? They said, no. We played a great game. The refs made mistakes that's like they make in the past game. Everything went, and we gave our best. And at the end of the day, I still give glory to God. Church, I truly believe this, that the one-third can do so much more. The one-third can do so much more than the full picture. Okay? If the 69%, if the two out of three aren't with it, Amen. God bless them. All right? But the one-third of the people that says, oh, no, 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 this is a mission. This is a mission. Right? And I am going to fill myself up because I know the reason. Right? And I'm going to picture what, like, this building. This is a victory for us that we get to celebrate, and this is something we've envisioned for a while. So my prayer this morning is that we can be the one-third at New Life. Right? That we can be the one-third at New Life. That can say, you know what? Failure can be intimidating. Obstacles can definitely be intimidating. Okay? But I'm going to give it my best anyways. But I'm going to go take a step of faith anyways. And I'm going to rely on God anyways. All right? Can you say amen to that new life? Thanks for joining us today. If you want to connect with us, you can find us at newlifesouthcoast.com for any further information.